It's going to be the, um, it's going to be Periscope tonight and podcast. That's it. Having problems with Facebook. Go figure. You know, watching this seven and eight, you know, I was reading that it was the best uh, two of all the series. And, and I, you know, I, and hearing about that beforehand, and I think it was, it, it goes to show you what real uh, rivalries are like, real competition is like. Uh, had to clear up my eyes, got a little emotional watching uh, Michael Jordan win the first championship without his dad there. Uh, takes me back to that. I remember all these games like they were yesterday. I was a teenager there in these years. Uh, it, it, it was just really good, emotional. Uh, the 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 uh, the narratives, Jordan, that the uh, co- the the competition that he looked for, uh, the rivals, even if he had to make them up, all that was really good stuff. I heard about the fight with him and. Uh, Steve Kerr before, and I always thought that Jordan was the bad guy there, and and he was just very intense. He was really ticked off and humiliated uh, about how the other season ended, his level of competition inside. Uh, but, you know, that was my overall take of it. It was really good, and it shows that it's still good to, to, to have those kind of heated uh, competitions inside the game. Nowadays, you got too much hugging, too much hanging out. Even though these guys did hanging out, you saw what uh, the the, um, uh, the 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 filming the Space Jam and, and filming all day, playing into the night, still getting the workout in. The kind of work ethic Michael Jordan really had, and uh, let you know why he is the best. And I wouldn't say always be the best. Maybe there is somebody else, but. You know, let's go back from the beginning of the documentary in chronological order. Uh, the late, great uh, Greg Sager from TNT, the guy that always wore the crazy looking suits that died of cancer. I was surprised he come at Jerry Krause like that about the backstabbing question in 1998. Threw me off a little bit. Again, uh, Jerry Krause. I've talked I've talked about this week in and week out. You can go back and watch the other sports scopes on Periscope or whatever. Uh, I've got over 150, almost 200 plus episodes. And you just go back the last few. And Jerry Krause knew that Phil Jackson uh, wanted to make him the enemy. Uh, very common in pro sports to do that. Us versus them. Coaching player management versus coaches and players and ownership. So uh, he was okay with that. But I was real took back by the way the media always sucked up to the players then. Uh, it's a lot worse now in some spots with LeBron. Now, there's some guys that they make a career off of going too far and bashing LeBron. But I, I, a lot of them are kissing his rear end. Uh, you saw a lot of that with the TNT resport, uh, reporters right there from um, Jerry uh, Krause and, and Craig Sager from TNT. Let's see. Uh, other things I didn't know. Okay, MJ suspended three times in the ninth grade. That is a lot for a high school athlete. Uh, now, remember, he was cut from his 10th grade team, uh, he, but and, and now him being suspended. So uh, his father did play a, a pivotal point in his life to get his act together from 
being suspended three times, that's a lot. You know, I, I was only suspended one time for fighting. Most of the time, they just let us go back to class. I got ISS. I got in several fights. My dad watches this program. He had to come talk to my principal a couple of times defending myself. Never got suspended three times like that. So it goes to show you, Jordan was not perfect growing up. He, he was still a typical teenager, knucklehead kid. I thought that was interesting how his dad got in his rear end there. And I forgot how much they look alike. You know, Mr. Jordan looked so much like Michael Jordan. There was a... Um, interview with Michael Jordan and David Letterman joking about his dad wasn't that short and maybe maybe uh, his mom slept with the milkman. That was just a joke. That guy's a spitting image of Michael. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, going in chronological order here. Okay, page two. Uh, the gambling evidence. Okay, I looked into that for years. There's been There's been controversies. There's been uh, speculation that, that, that Jordan was, uh, that his dad was killed due with gambling, which that was turned out to be false with his gambling issues. Uh, and I, I remember to him being suspended for, uh, people talk about him being suspended that year for gambling. Uh, and I want to say this guy was either, I don't know. I, I thought it was either his trainer or agent or somebody, but you guys saw the interview right there where the person said, the guy told Michael told me a year before that he was thinking about going to baseball, even before his dad died. After, but he, he during the Olympics, he wanted to win that third championship because Larry Bird didn't and Magic Johnson didn't. Yes, Jordan always wanted to outdo them, so that is true right there. And I do think that by now, I think the the gambling thing, if it was legit, it would have came out. So I do not think that he was suspended for a year, even though there was speculation there. Uh, let's see. And I remember the murder of his dad. I, I remember my dad saying that that conversation with me when I was 12 years old, he said, you know, if it's a white guy that, that Michael's going to hate white people forever. And it turned out to be a white guy and a black guy who robbed and shot and killed uh, Michael's dad. And they, they, of course they, they caught these two guys and put them in prison. They're still in prison for a while, maybe out on parole here pretty soon. Shouldn't be, though. Uh, so going into that, the media circus with his baseball, that many people showing up to a, a, a Birmingham Bruins game, I thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, I remember the the Scotty Pippen thing then, and I remember now where he didn't want to come in, and he, he quit on that team. Uh, that was one of those you remember it like it was yesterday, watching those games. Scotty Pippen filling a raft of what Jordan felt all the time, the, the pressure of winning and, and, and quitting on the team just because he couldn't take the final shot. Crew coach being the better shooter here, hitting the shot, and then Bill Cartwright calling him out for that. And then Pippen saying, if I'd had it to do over again, I still would have acted the same way. That right there, even then at 12 years old, that let me know he'll never be a number one and uh, he's not a number one now, and he never will be a number one. And quite frankly, he never did. Even when he went to to uh, Portland, he was never a number one. He, it, it let him uh, solidify that he was number two. Back then, when I was 12 years old, some of my friends in school said, now Pippen won these this second championship. Pippen this, Pippen that. I said, no, I think, I think Michael's carrying the brunt of this team. And then that, him quitting on the team, and, and Bill Cartwright calling him out like that, uh, that goes to show you, uh, going back to that 94 season, remember that was the year that 
that um, that OJ, the OJ murder trial happened, and, and the finals were were, were stopped by uh, you had the, the Bronco chase in '94. Uh, I felt like me personally that that was probably the Knicks' best chance to win a championship over that Houston Rockets team. Now, of course, that Rockets team had uh, Robert Ory, Akeem Olajuwon, um, Maxwell, uh, Sam um, Sam Cassell, a lot of really – Rudy Tomzanovich, really good coach there. But I just thought that it was the next time, and I was really, really sad and disappointed. Those are my thoughts about that 94 team. Okay, going to page four. Let's see. The Knicks, okay. Watching it, the greatest athlete. It, yeah, I thought I just made a note about interesting how Jordan, one of the greatest athletes of all time, smoking a cigar while in the locker room. Uh, made up stories. He had some kind of issue with a player for the Nets. And then he later said, no, nah, it was BS. Um, during 98, B.J. Armstrong playing with... Uh, 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 the Charlotte team, that Charlotte series, well, they lost that game one, and then the next game he held B.J. Armstrong, former Bull, the two points. Uh, that reminds you of how good jo of a defender Jordan was. And, and I, I just want to – the people that want to put LeBron over Jordan, that, that LeBron was never that kind of defender. Le LeBron never won defensive player of the year and, and, and scoring champion. Remember, I talked about that before, too. Uh, coming back, we're in the 45. Again, that was one of those, remember it like it was just, I got a little bit of a headache tonight. And I remember Jordan coming back on losing that first game back against the, like we just saw here, Indiana. That other game against the Knicks was less than a week later. It was like on a Tuesday. And Michael Jordan scored that 55. I was feeling sick that day and had a little bit of headache, kind of like I did tonight. And I remember I was feeling so much better when he put 55 on the Knicks. Uh, of course, they end up losing, losing that series to Orlando that year and then coming back and dedicating that next season. Now, that timeline was a little fuzzy to me. I will say that. I didn't realize that, that that next season was the best Bulls team ever. Remember, they won the 72. Uh, that was the first year of Rodman. That was the year that Steve Kerr and Michael Jordan got into the fight. I did not know all the details of that fight then. Uh, I, I heard about the fight over the years. I didn't know what year place. So that's a little bit of clarity there of the fight between him and Kerr. Jordan was amped up. He was in game seven mode every day in practice that year. Also shooting Space Jam. Uh, a lot of things happened. He, he said, I wanted to educate Jeff Bushler, uh, uh, these new guys, Steve Kerr, of what it took to become a champion. I want to toughen them up. And then Kerr, you know, punched Jordan in the chest. Jordan hit him in the face, felt bad, caught him. Um, I thought that was really interesting. You know, Phil... Uh, Kerr later said it was one of the best things that ever happened to him because it toughened him up. Uh, Jordan respecting him afterwards. A little bit of bulliness in Jordan. But going back to Dennis Rodman, you throw in Rodman in there. Uh, you throw in crew coach, Pippen, Ron Harper, a lot of good defensive team. Like I said, 
Shaq a couple weeks ago was talking about uh, we could have beat those Bulls team. I said, nah, you put your best 2001 Laker team against that Bull team, uh, Shaq would have got his, no doubt. He would have destroyed the centers, but that's it. They would have still lost the, the average game by about 10 points. Going into that rematch against the Magic, again, I remember like it was yesterday, the average margin of entry. I looked this up the other day. This wasn't in the documentary, but the ad- average margin of entry was 18 points in that sweep. That's how vindictive and competitive Michael Jordan is. That's what makes the guy special. So those are my big takes. Uh, other than, like I said, the emotional um, breaking down of Jordan after winning the first championship without his dad uh, almost made me cry looking at it. I thought that was really interesting. Okay, let's go to uh, let, let's go to the NFL. Okay, before the schedules came out, I want to say it was last Tuesday per se. Uh, Cam Newton, like I said, predicted, uh, said he, he, he's, he'd be willing to take a backup role in the NFL to get things started. And I want to tell you guys, I want to double down on this. I know there's a, there's a uh, report. Uh, someone uh, from Denver uh, wrote this up, but I wanted to say I was the first to mention this. I still stand by my, my uh, I want to say prediction, my opinion that Michael Jordan, or Michael Jordan, uh, Cam Newton's best uh, landing spot would be in Denver. You know, Chicago's already got somebody. Ron Rivera doesn't want to. He wants to start a new chapter in Washington. We get all that. You know, uh, Denver, let me remind you of what he would be dealing with, okay? He would be backing up Drew Locke as a second-year starter there. Again, they've got Drill Casey. Defensive tackle from Tennessee, a big part of Tennessee's run defense is now Denver Bronco. They got Bradley Chubb will be back. Uh, and then they've got Von Miller. So you've got the front, the right, and the left of the defensive line covered for Denver defensively. You got Cream Jackson back there at safety. Uh, Shelby Harris has re-signed there with Denver. Defensively, offensively, look what they drafted. Jerry Judy, the best receiver, most would say, in the draft. Got him, and remember, they acquired Melvin Gordon. So you've got Melvin Gordon, you got Phillip Lindsay, you got the dual head running backs there. Great for a defensive minded head coach like a Vic Vangio. You got Cortland Sutton. Uh, have a lot of pr- pressure taken off him when you've got a Jerry Judy on the other side there. And then you've got Noah Faint, really good tight end for Cam to throw to. You put that in there with a uh, Pat Schumer, which is the um, which is the defensive coordinator, uh, the offensive uh, defensive minor head coach, or uh, Pat Schumer's the, the offensive coordinator for Denver. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator for Minnesota when they got to the NFC Championship. I'm talking about, of course, Cam Newton being the ideal fit of this Denver team. Looking at Denver's schedule, they've got a rough start. They've got to play at home against Tennessee. They got to go to Pittsburgh in week two. Week three, they got to play against this Tampa Bay team with with Tom Brady. You could see them going 0 and 3, and then bringing back a bringing in a Cam Newton against the Jets team. Uh, I could see a lot of those uh, low scoring, one score loss games going 0 and 3. You've got Cam on the bench there. 31 years old, 
fully healthy Cam Newton coming in, saving the day, rallying this team to a, a, a winning streak. Now, of course, they'll still have to play Kansas City and the Chargers and the Raiders, but with that, those defensive players that I just mentioned, with Cam Newton, have your other running option there. Denver would be tough. I really think Denver would be the best team for Cam. I think he could beat out on Drew Locke, and um, I think that the, the Broncos are going to be a sleeper team to watch this year. Again, that is the by far the best team for a Cam Newton, and of course maybe a Jacksonville, but I still stand by my um, fifth there for Cam in Denver. Okay, Dallas. Uh, Dak Prescott. Okay. Looking at Dallas's schedule, I've been talking about this since last week. Uh, you have, excuse me, you have Andy Dalton signed on with Dallas and 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 doing the virtual uh, mini camps. Now, now Dallas has until um, uh, the July the fifteenth to sound the sign uh, deck to to uh, to an extension. Okay. Say, for instance, July 15th comes and passes. Uh, Dak still wants to hold out, still wants to hold out. Uh, regular training camp comes whenever. And and now that the schedules are officially out, say, Dak, this team opens up at the L.A. Rams. Remember the last time they played the Rams? They blew the brakes off the Rams. Not too much different team here. Uh, a little bit worse secondary for for Dallas, but but you remember they've got all these weapons offensively, better offensive line, more offensive weapons, got a better head coach in a Mike McCarthy. So I can see them going to LA. By the way, there's gonna be a lot of Dallas fans in LA. Always is. Okay. Going to LA, knocking them out. Then the next week, uh, they're home against uh Atlanta. They'll be favored in that game. I think they'll run all over Atlanta. Then they got to go play at Seattle. They'll be underdogs to Seattle. Uh, I would think so with um, with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett because, you know, Dallas has a weak secondary. That's going to be their weak point. I know they did pick up a safety there. They got ha-ha Clinton Dix. So game three, say, for instance, they win those first two games, which I think Dallas will. I think Dallas will win those first two Game three, Dak is still holding out. Andy Dalton, say you win or lose this game by a field goal. You got a one-score game, and then you have a home game against Cleveland, and Dak is still holding out, and say you're three and one. Are you telling me that that Dallas wouldn't hesitate on signing Dak to a new long-term deal? Would they keep Andy Dalton in if the offense is humming and and there's a lot of chemistry there with the two receivers, Mari Cooper, and, of course, you've got Newman in there. Um, you got this guy from Oklahoma coming in, and, and they're 3-1 and one beating uh, Cleveland at home. Dak needs to sign that contract. If you're looking at this uh, if you're looking at this schedule, I can very much see them being 3-0, possibly 4-0. They match up really well against Seattle as well. Remember the last time they played Seattle, they beat them in Dallas in that playoff game. So, you have a much better coach here, Mike McCarthy, than, than the coach they had last year. So we got to keep this in mind. Dak needs to sign that contract. Um, he, he needs to come off his high horse and sign 
that contract. Okay, there was a report that Anthony McFarland, the fourth-round pick to uh, Pittsburgh, talking about schedules and teams that are overlooked, uh, is going to take Le'Veon Bell's number. He's a fourth-round pick from Maryland. Anthony McFarland Jr. is the son of Booger McFarland of, of, of Monday Night Football, uh, of the Indianapolis Colts, the Tampa Bay Bucks, LSU, that Booger McFarland. So Booger, um, what I like about him is he, he is vehemently against smoking pot and, and legalizing weed and all that. He thinks the players don't smoke it to to get over injuries. His 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 philosophy is they're smoking it to simply um, to simply uh, just get high, you know. And 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 I totally agree with with Booger McFarland there. And going back to Pittsburgh, everybody, I've been watching this team uh, since Bill Cowher. Uh, days in 1995 uh, since since they got to the Super Bowl and got beat by Dallas Dallas's last win with um, with the other head coach Barry Switzer and they're a team that that they do really well when, when, when you overlook them when, when you look the other way and kind of ignore them and, and kind of put them on the back burner that's when they're their deadly and I was looking at these schedules and the strength of schedules and uh, the the diff most and I'm gonna get to New England here in a minute. New England's got ironically a team that finally didn't win the Super Bowl. They got the most difficult schedule in the NFL. Baltimore's 32nd. They have the easiest schedule in the NFL according to their winning percentages of opponents. Okay. 31st is, is, is Pittsburgh. And, you know, I love what they did in the offseason. They signed Eric Ebron at tight end to go along with Vance Joseph. They signed this guy, uh, Anthony McFarlane, uh, Booger McFarlane's son out of Maryland, got him in the fourth round. In the second round, they uh, they signed Chase Claypool, wide receiver out of Notre Dame. Remember, these guys are are, are are, are magnificent. They're the, the, the best in, in the league at signing wide receivers. Remember, they signed Antonio Brown, late round pick, Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace, just to name a few. Of course, Juju Smith Schuster. They're really good at drafting wide receivers. I got a feeling this guy, Chase Poole, Clay Poole from, from Notre Dame, who, who ran a, a four, uh, uh, four, four, uh, four, four, two. By the way, same thing, a 4-4-4 by the, uh, the running back. This uh, The guy that's going to take, uh, Anthony Farley is going to take Le'Veon Bell's jersey number. So I like what they did here. They have James Conner. They have Anthony McFarland Jr. They have Chase Claypool. Now, remember, that first-round pick was a trade for Mika Fitzpatrick. To, to put him up with Joe Hayden. So so they have a they solidified secondary. Remember, they have a young defense up and coming. Devin Bush, great pick. Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt, really good pass rusher. Uh, Cam Hayward. Uh, this team was in it all the way up to the end. They were 8-8 eight eight with third-string quarterbacks in there. Some guy named Duck Hodges. I think a lot of people, uh, there was a little bit of uh, something came out about Jay Glazer saying that, that Ben's not going to be in good shape. 
man, I, this Pittsburgh team with their offensive line, with those receiving core, with these two tight ends, uh, with their defensive line, the 31st ranked schedule, this team is going to be uh, way overlooked. And they're going to be one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL next year. And nobody's talking about it. And if you're a Pittsburgh fan, that's exactly how you want. You want you want Baltimore and and, and uh, Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh. You want them to get all the ink. Uh, the six-time Super Bowl winner, one of the most proudest teams in the league. You want them to be overlooked, and trust me, they are. Kansas City, uh, the Ravens, they're going to get all the ink. And let that happen. Let them get all the write-ups. Ben's in bad shape and all that. Meanwhile, you're sitting there with this uh, open it up against a Giants team that's going to be still bad defensively. Um, what else was I looking about their schedule here? Uh, their toughest games uh, at a conference or at home. Their, their toughest road game is going to be at Tennessee and at Buffalo. Other than that, they play Dallas at home. Um, excuse me, they play at Dallas. That's their toughest one. But Philadelphia is at home, Indianapolis at home. Uh, you know, like I said, it's the second easiest schedule behind only Baltimore. Well, Baltimore is going to be figured out. Uh, don't think they're going to have a bad season. Got to have such a good roster like what they did in the draft as well. But I don't see them getting past this Pittsburgh team. Pittsburgh is going to be a sleeper team. That, that, that a lot of people is going to overlook. They, uh, they're going to be more overlooked because Ben is, is 38 now, coming back from surgery. All indications are he's going to be 100%. Listen, if he wasn't 100%, this team would have already signed Cam Newton or they would have already signed uh, Jameis Winston. They did not do neither one of those moves. So that tells me that this Pittsburgh team is going to be a force to be reckoned with, and, and Mike Tomlin wants them to be just like this, not talked about, people mocking Ben's weight and everything. They've got two tight ends. They've got that receiver need they need. James Washington gets another year under his belt. They've got the, the offensive line. they got the defensive line. they got the secondary, another year under their belt. This team's going to be tough. Hold on, everybody. i got to. All right, now I'm back here on my uh, podcast here talking about Pittsburgh. Keep an eye out for the Steel, this Steelers team. Um, they're going to be something. Again, they never seek to amaze me. Uh, flown under the radar again. Great pickups with Anthony McFarley Jr. in the fourth round and their second round pick. This wide receiver, Chase Claypool, out of Notre Dame. And, of course, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick was a great pickup at safety there where they used their this year's first-round pick. Okay, let's go to one of the easiest schedules coming into one of the most difficult schedules. I remember Colin Cowherd's making the statement he thinks the Patriots could be tanking for Lawrence or a Justin Fields out of Ohio State. Kind of mocked that a little bit, waiting and waiting for them to make a big move in the draft, the draft up, do nothing free. They didn't even go after Andy Dalton. They're not going to go after uh, Cam Newton. They're going to go with Jared Stidham. And they have the most difficult schedule in the NFL. 
And uh, just to remind some of you, they lost, of course, they lost Tom Brady, Calvin Noy, Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, Adrian Phillips, and of course, their longtime future Hall of Famer, in my opinion, Stephen Gaskowski, kicker. Now, Gaskowski was getting older. He's in his late 30s here. Um, just going over some opponents here of this Patriot team. They, they play San Francisco. Uh, now, he's at home, but they play a loaded San Francisco 49er team. They got to go play at Kansas City this year. They got to play at Houston, who beat them last year. They got to go play at the Chargers with their defense and those secondary players. Uh, they got to play a better Miami team that beat them last year with uh, Mika. Uh, but by the way, that's who they open up. Miami's one of the best September teams in the National Football League. It is at home, but you know who they who beat them at home last year? Yeah, you got it. Miami. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick beat them at home. I don't, and this team's much better, and and the Patriots are worse. So you're looking at that uh, a much better Buffalo team, a much better AFC East, should I say, is not the AFC Lee. So this is looking like a five, eleven, six, and ten team. I'll have to agree with Colin Coward. I do think that uh, they are in transition. Uh, they're not going to use the word tank, but they're not making an effort player wise to get any better. Uh, Jared Stidham did nothing to impress me uh, during those preseason games. Uh, I just do not see that. We can say what we want about this team. They've got the most difficult schedule, and you better believe Bill Belichick looked at that, and he said, yeah, yeah, that is – this is a perfect opportunity. Plus, they don't have a lot of cap room. Uh, they, they've lost, they had those cap money on these players. I just mentioned, uh, they hit against the cap, including Tom Brady. So yeah, uh, Justin Fields, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Jacksonville is torn down to the studs. It's going to be Jacksonville and new England. Uh, I can see them getting a top five pick and making some trades to, to get up to that two pick. I could definitely see them, uh, Urban Meyer, you know, uh, he also knows Bill Belichick as well. Not sure if they can get Trevor Lawrence, but I do think uh, they can get Justin Fields. Now, Lawrence could Lawrence is such a hot commodity even coming into this season. Uh, could he be on the level of a John Elway and, and, and make, a, make a point that I will not sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars no matter what? Uh, that remains to be seen, but I do think this team is going to lose out. They, they they get rid of a lot of that dead money this year. They're going to get a fresh start in 2021. They're going to be competitive in a lot of games, but they're going to lose a lot of games. You know, they got to play Denver, a really good Denver team I just mentioned. Like I said, Houston, pretty good defense, good good quarterback. I'm going to take their quarterback over, over uh, uh, this guy's quarterback. I'm going to take – they're a Buffalo's quarterback over uh, Stidham as well. You're talking about a second-year guy. They're not going to win that many games. They're going to win some games on defensive and coaching. Don't get me wrong. But looking at their schedule, which is the hardest in the NFL, uh, I see this team, again, probably winning five to six games, and I think that's going to be by design, judging by what they've done in this offseason. Okay. The flip side, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Bucks. 
got one of the most exciting schedules to watch. Uh, I cannot wait for this team. I tell you guys, they open up against uh, – it's a 425 Eastern time. I just cannot wait. I've circled it. You talk about fantasy plays, everybody. I'm telling you right now, depending on what draft Kings charges, uh, love me some Michael Thomas in this game. They, they play the, the Saints. Uh, love Michael Thomas. Love Gronkowski. Um, and they haven't really looked deeply into this game other than the Saints are three-and-a-half-point favorites, but mainly that's because they're at home. Uh, remember Emmanuel Sanders is now a New Orleans Saint. You still got O.J. Howard this, this with the Bucks. You got uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Uh, of course, Rob Gronkowski there. I mean, it's going to be an amazing game there. Uh, the over and under, I just had to look for, for Pete's sake. Uh, 49.5, I would take the over there. Uh, there will be a lot of firing going on. Lot. This is going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Cannot wait. Going to be one of the best games of the year in uh, New Orleans. Uh, also, Tampa plays. Uh, I mean, you talk about a great season for, for, for Brady to go out on. He, he's at home against Green Bay on the 18th of October. Uh, they play Sunday night football. It goes to Vegas and plays Henry Ruggs. Uh, the draft pick, Derek Carr, John Gruden, plays that Raider team in that new stadium. That's going to be interesting. Uh, on no, uh, November 29th, they're at home against Kansas City. Uh, Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kels. That's going to be a great game. Cannot wait to see that. And, of course, uh, November 2nd, they play at the Giants. I see them going up there stomping that team out. Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, Evan Ingram going against a former uh, New England uh, coach there. And Mike, what's his name? Something Judge. Cannot wait. Uh, looking at this Tampa Bay team, but led by Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator on the other side, you got Dominic and Sue, Vita Vita, nose tackle, Jason Pierre, Paul, Devin White, another year, uh, under his belt. That's at linebacker from LSU. Shaq Barrett's got the franchise tag. Uh, love what they did with their draft here. Thriston Worst, the right tackle from Iowa, uh, got the safety Anton Winfield, uh, from Minnesota, they got uh, Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt, third-round running back. Did a lot of stuff that I thought they should do. Again, I cannot say this enough times, Tampa still needs to get, if they could still get a Eric Reed, a Logan Ryan, a Tony Jefferson to help solidify that secondary, a couple of safeties and some corners, this team can make a run at the Super Bowl. I do not think I'm overstating this. This team's going to be that good, even with a shortened uh, training camp or whatnot. I cannot wait to see this Tampa Bay team. If they don't make any more adjustments on their secondary, I can't see them going to the Super Bowl, but I can definitely see them getting to the playoffs. Cannot wait. Uh, other schedules and everything, everybody. Uh, Kansas City, the Super Bowl champs. Now, listen, they didn't lose anybody. Uh, they, they franchise a defensive player. Uh, they, they, they rearranged one of their key receivers. Pretty much the whole squad back. 
did not lose any coordinators, didn't lose their the uh, enemy, the running back coach. A lot of people thought they were going to lose him. Did not lose their defensive coordinator. Still got Andy Reid. Pat Mahomes has not signed that big deal. Read that he may get fifty million dollars at some point, but he's still on that rookie contract. Uh, open up against Houston. It's going to be a pretty good game, but I like KC there. Monday night at Baltimore. Hey, they've matched up the last two years really well against Baltimore. Still like KC there. Uh, play the. Uh, the Patriots at home on the fourth. Going to be a good game. It's going to be good for about a quarter and a half, and I think the Patriots are going to blow their uh, doors off. Then they got to play at Tampa. That's probably going to be the game of the year uh, on the 29th of November. Then they go on uh, the 20th of December at New Orleans. Now, at Buffalo on Thursday. Now, they could lose that game. That could be a really Good game for Buffalo, uh, the confidence of the Bills. It's a short week, home game Thursday, great Buffalo defense. Could see them knocking off the Super Bowl champs on that Thursday game in uh, October. So, yes, they will be the favorites to get back to the Super Bowl, guys. Don't hate on them. It just is what it is, okay? In other news... There was uh, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, uh, I think, needs to worry about beating Ohio State rather than being self-serving and, and saying stuff like what he said that I don't 100% disagree with, with, with Harbaugh about players. If a, if a player gets an agent and he don't get drafted and he don't see a team that's going to pick him up and sign him as a free agent, that that player can come back. Now, with this player likeness deal that, that the NCAA is talking about, I think that that, that 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 would be fine. I think that's going to get worked out anyways. But um, he's making these comments like players need to sign out of high school with the NFL. And I, I'm not thinking to myself, you know, the reason why that Patrick Mahomes, who I just talked about, could possibly get $50 million a year next year when his contract, when Kansas City redoes his contract. And there's a reason why the NFL is, is salaries, the, the, the cap goes up about $10 million a year, it's supposed to go up $30 million next year, is because more people watch the NFL. It's just the more popular sports. Uh, God, the, the quarterback for, for Minnesota, uh I can't I can't remember his name right now, but uh, he got that guaranteed contract. One of the first players ever, I think, uh, to ever have a uh, guaranteed contract. Oh God, you like that? I can't remember his name now, but it'll come to me here in a minute. Either way, my point is the NFL has this stranglehold on the other sports. It's head and shoulders above them. Is because we establish relationships. We we establish a following with these players. Three years of building up their rep, their reputation in college. Uh, unless the NFL can get, like I talked about in the college game and basketball, a, a a minor league system that has enough marketing to catch the college marketing. Why fool with it? If it ain't fit, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
You know, uh, we were, the college, the, the, the NCAA is already discussing players using their likeness. A little bit late, better late than never. Uh, you have an excellent farm system in the college game. Why mess it up, everybody? I, I, I totally, totally disagree with Jim Harbaugh there with his letter he sent to the NFL and college football. Uh, yeah, I do not think players should go. Plus, you know, the old adage back in the day was the players aren't physically ready to go to the NFL. It's about certain players if they get drafted. Now, once you get – what if you go to the NFL and you get injured and you have to go back to college? You just mess everything up. I, I just don't think that's a good idea. Not unless the NFL had a – minor league system like uh, a built-up one that was popular, like I can foresee the G League going in 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Right now, it they should be with the uh, work with the college game, like Jason Whitlock said, uh, to, 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 to use that for marketing and find ways to play players, which they already are with the lightness thing. But um, – should have done that a while back. I'm totally against that. Let the players stay three years, come out in the NFL. That's why the NFL is growing, because we are already looking forward to see what Joe Burrows does. I'm going to watch a lot of more Cincinnati games because of Joe Burrow. Uh, Anthony McFarland's son, who went to Maryland, his dad's a pro, former pro player. I'm going to be watching him when he goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, totally um, – like that, and that's why the ratings are what they are. So, um, Harbaugh, worry about beating Ohio State, and let's not worry about uh, college players. And like, like some people are saying, he's just doing that to to get some of these uh, stack classes out and all that stuff. He says some other things about. Uh, players getting five years of eligibility. I'm not okay with that. I'm okay with extending the the scholarship uh, limit for each year and all that stuff. I'm okay with that. But just going straight to the high school, straight in the NFL is just not a good idea. It's not good for the game long term. It, you know, you got to look at what's good for the game. Um, in the long run and the growth, you got to look at the whole, uh, the players who do make it uh, are going to get paid more money. It's going to get better and better and better. So, anyways, that is what I have to say about that. Uh, I will see you guys sometime next week, uh, probably Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see what happens as the week goes along. As things start to get back to normal, I'll go back to that Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I will definitely be back on to do uh, the next uh, Save the Last Dance, the last dance. Uh, the Michael Jordan documentary will definitely be on Sunday. But either way, you can look at the dates, Sports Scope, they're all dated. You can find me, hashtag SportsScope, at rbutler723 on Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, anywhere you want to um, look up the podcast, Spotify, you name it, everybody. That's how you can find me. Have a good night, everybody. I will see you next time here on SportsScope.